Hello, hello, good evening or good morning wherever you're tuning in from and welcome to your double or nothing edition of the Wrestling Inc. podcast. I'm your host for this evening, the content machine, Liam Crowley, and I'm joined by two familiar faces today. First to my left, the man in charge, Wrestling Inc. founder and owner, Raj Giri. Rare form Raj, we got him here tonight. Raj, how are you doing? I've got the need, the need for McCowan. <laughs> <laughs> i like I'm the reference good. how about you yourself i'm doing fantastic i love the reference because i just saw top gun maverick this morning <laughs> and i was buzzing it's been a great day of entertainment I overall for me it. from the a.m to the p.m or from the a.m to the a.m here on the east coast after a 17-hour pay-per-view after yeah. a 17-hour pay-per-view indeed uh we're not just joined by raj tonight though next to my right a wrestling Inc. podcast regular new york city's demon diva Isa, Isa, great to be back on the mic with you as always. So excited to be talking some AEW double or nothing with you guys. I did a five-hour watch along on my YouTube channel. I'm ready for. I'm ready to keep going. You have been doing live streams all night long, and hopefully, we'll keep this one to around sixty to seventy minutes. We won't keep you all here too too long, but we're gonna skip the news portion of this podcast just because there are so many matches. To get into here tonight, 13 total matches, as well as some backstage segments that had big implications moving forward with AEW programming. So and and can you say on. that, you know, we're not skipping the news. We're just like the MJF stuff is obviously what a lot of people want to want to hear about. We're not doing it at the beginning, but we're getting into it right away. <laughs> Oh, of course. Don't don't you worry. MJF News coming up in just a second. But before we get into that match, which kicked off the show, we'll start things off with the buy-in. Hookhausen, the team of Hook and Danhausen, defeating Tony Nese and Mark Sterling. Issa, I'll go to you first with this one. How do we feel about this little pre-show match? Did you enjoy the comedy aspects? Did this start the pay-per-view in the right direction for you? I did. I thought it was fun. I thought this was the lock of the century. I think everybody going into this new that hook and then house and we're gonna take the win um yeah i had fun it was a fun little pre-show buy-in match and i, I want to see what they do next with hook and then house and are they sticking together are they going to separate them i really that's what i'm more curious about in regards to this match raj how about you uh so i didn't watch this match i i, I got back after keeping it real keeping I'm, it you real. know playing golf here <laughs> but, uh, I do like the fact that, you know AEW's roster is getting so bloated it's huge it's gigantic they have everyone they could uh, uh, they could do anything with and uh, the yeah. fact that they're able to get on the pay-per-view buy-in I think is uh, it just shows a lot for the confidence that they have yeah, I completely agree. I was in. I enjoyed this match for the most part. I like Hook getting some pay per view spotlight, even if it is coming on the pre show and not the main card itself. And I'll be completely honest, I still don't understand Dan Housen. I know he's got the cult following. He gets a crazy big pop. But I I don't understand the appeal. But hey, if the fans are into it, why not push him to the moon? And having him paired with Hook, I think it's a good excuse to get them both on TV time when AEW is so dominated by factions and groups get these two solo acts together so at least they can get more time on Rampage and Dynamite. Yeah, I don't get Dan Housen either. Is he a magician? <laughs> like, what is the, what's the gimmick? What, yeah, they never really explain it. And they assume, like, everyone has been following Dan Housen for, you know, from ROH and, and, and knows his whole shtick. But, you know, we've interviewed him on the side. I don't really know what his thing is. So, 
You gotta give him props though. I never watched the man wrestle, but I knew who he was before he came into AW, yeah. which I think goes to tell you the pull that he have on those social media fans. And I, I will tell you one thing. I saw him at WrestleCon and he was like right in front of me and all I could do was, don't curse me. <laughs> <laughs> and he just started laughing because he looked at me like, you're a grown woman. <laughs> <laughs> so is that his thing? He curses people? Is that the, yes. the shtick? But does yes. he actually do it? Like, are I there mean, people in our okay, saying, well, oh, I will say crazy. one thing. I'm not trying. I'm not trying to like do a flex here on the podcast. But he mm. says, "No, you're fine." And so far, my life has been okay. So I don't think I got cursed. Mm. So if everything's good with you, Isa, I think we're good on this pre-show. We'll move into the main card, the main show overall. Twelve matches on this card over the course of what felt like, I believe, four and a half hours total. And we start with the money matchup, the one that everyone has been talking about for the past 48 hours because that man, Maxwell Jacob Friedman, just knows how to create buzz either intentionally or by accident just to run down the timeline of events for those who are unaware of what went down with MJF this past weekend. He no-showed his meet-and-greet at AEW FanFest on Saturday. That was followed by a report that he had booked himself a flight out of Las Vegas, or at least a flight was booked in his name. We don't know if he was the one to book it himself. As of Sunday morning, reports circulated that he didn't board said flight. But as of 3.15, I believe Eastern Time, on the day of the pay-per-view, no one had spotted him backstage. Everyone was like, is this match actually going to happen? AEW was advertising MJF versus Wardlow in the morning. Those posts were taken down by the afternoon. Then eventually word got out that this match would kick off the show. His music hits. We wait for about 20 to 30 seconds. He eventually makes his way to the ring, hits the ring, does his whole pose, and then hits a little airplane motion as a nod to the rumors and rumblings leading up to this match. Before we get into the actual results, Raj, I just want to get your thoughts on what happened with MJF this past weekend. Is it a work? Is it a shoot? Is it a work shoot, brother? How are we feeling about Maxwell Jacob Friedman? So, as I mentioned, I was playing golf earlier today. First day I got out for the last six weeks. COVID got in the way or snow. So I've been wanting to get out. Finally today, I got out. I texted this guy uh, with AEW asking about it. Third hole, as I'm about to drive, he texts me back and granted my drive sucked. <laughs> but he was like, uh, no, it's all true. He's like, that's legit. All, you know, like this isn't uh, this isn't a work. I don't believe that. I, 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 there is a part of me and I'm not one of those that's like, oh, everything's a work because I'm not, I'm the opposite. I'm like, no, sh real shit happens in wrestling. Sasha and Naomi, that was all real. It's not a work. The WWE, it's not like this is leading to some gigantic women's tag team title match. This is real, real shit happens in wrestling. But uh, this is one of those, because it's MJF, if it was, you know, Hangman Page or anyone else, then I'd be like, oh, yeah, yeah, that, this is completely legit. But I was told by someone in AEW, this is 100% legit. But the fact that MJF was there tonight, just it, it, there's a part, there's a Brian Pillman thing that uh, I, I just feel like there is something that's uh, not completely um, on the level, if that makes sense. 
Something doesn't add up for sure. Isa, what were your thoughts on this whole situation? Uh, listen, NJF is my favorite act in AEW. I've been very vocal about how much I admire what he does and, and he's, he's placed in the corner as a top heel. And I always feel like the best built feuds going into the pay-per-views are always NJF. But if you really think about it, when he showed up tonight, then the only new story here that's real and official is that he no show that fan fest. And that you're messing with fans' money, fans are paying money. You know, I'm very vocal about fans. Like, don't be that creep at the hotel lobby or at the airport. Go to the advertised signings if you want to meet your favorites. So in that aspect of things, I don't like that move. But I don't know how unhappy he is. I'm glad he showed up and did the job for Warlow, which we'll get into. But at the same time, it didn't feel like it was Warlow's big crowning moment as it should have felt because he felt all about MJF and the drama going on behind the scenes. And he should have felt like a bigger deal for Warlow. And it didn't feel that way. I do got to say this too, um, with MJF, it, you still got like two years left on your contract. If you're being unprofessional now, uh, I'm, I would think that, you know, other companies would have reservations. Uh, if you're a year and a half away from your contract ending and you're, being difficult to work with. So I don't know. It just seems like he's a smart guy. I can't see him jeopardizing his future and things like that. Um, so that's my uh, personal opinion. I, I, I Something's fishy. Something's fishy and it's got us all talking. I do agree, Issa, that I felt like it took away some of the momentum of the match itself. But before we get to the match itself, we have our first super chat of the night. Thank you so much. Ralph, the ace, he said, I might be in the minority, but this show was meh to me and felt long. I just popped open the Balvini. Cheers, guys. Balvini. Oh, Balvini. Oh, my God. I'm, I'm cheers. exposing my Cheers, my Ralph, youth. the ace. I got some McAllen. <laughs> cheers, brother. I'm, I'm exposing my youth with the uh, with the lack of pronunciation. He's there. like, I got my key ice. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure we'll get to the overall grades by the end of the show but a little teaser for that I do kind of agree I didn't feel as in love with this show as I have felt oh, yeah. about the past AEW shows most of them are grand slam for me and I never regret paying the 50 bucks this one a little bit more hesitant by the matches end. but let's get to the result of that match that we were talking about Wardlow defeats MJF by pinfall after 10 count them 10 power bombs a power bomb symphony the crowd was going crazy they were hitting him with the you deserve it chance both to wardlow getting the aew contract and mjf getting the very poorly done stretcher job i'm sure you all saw the oxygen mask that was going over his forehead raj i'll go to you first on this one how did you feel about the execution of this feud storyline that's been building arguably for three full years I agree with uh, what Issa said earlier. I felt like the outside drama took away from it. Like this was not Batista beating Triple H. It was, uh, we're waiting to see if MJF showed us up and is being professional. And uh, and he was, you know, overall, he, he, he did what he was supposed to. Uh, leaving the show, Wardlow was not on my mind. You, you know what I mean? It wasn't like a crowning achievement, but... Uh, overall, I thought the match was what it should have been. Uh, Wardlow looked like monster. He looked great. MJF did what he was supposed to do. Um, but it wasn't that star superstar making night yet. And I think it could be that in, you know, Wednesday, you put him in the main event position, him destroying. Gosh, who, uh, 
the young bucks. I don't know. <laughs> uh, you know, someone higher up, but it, it it didn't feel like it was that uh, passing of the torch yet. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. Issa, I'd love for you to expand on your point from earlier. Why did this feel off to you? Was it the flow of the match or was it the outside politics that were just on your mind? It was definitely the outside politics. And going into the match, I'm sitting here thinking, was this supposed to be a squash from the get-go? Is, is MJF being punished for his actions? Like there, was like, there was a lot of me just overthinking what was happening instead of just taking it for the moment. Warlow looked great. He always does, if you know what I mean. Okay, just, just pointing that out there. Warlow is great. Great addition to AW should be in the main event scene. But I couldn't help but to think, like, is MJF really unhappy? They're, they're stretching him out. Is he going to be off of television? I could not. Really, I, 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 when I saw the World of All Elite graphic, I did have a little bit of a moment where like, okay, he deserves it, right? But the entire time I was just thinking of the backstage drama and everything going on with MJF. And I just wish that this would have been a bigger moment for Warlow because I do think he deserves it. And this is a storyline that has been going on for years. I know that we planted the seed at Revolution, but this is years in the making and it just should have been like such a bigger deal i also maybe don't know that i agree with it opening the show i get it because it's like okay everybody's talking about it let's get it out of the way and move on with the show but at the same time it opening the show it kind of messed up the flow of things and we'll get into that after we discuss everything which you know i think the pacing of it was a bit odd but overall it just should have felt like a bigger moment for warlow and because of the backstage politics it didn't there's so much you said there that I want to go off of, too, because as you mentioned, I don't think the flow of the match was the issue. It's the fact that when you mix the flow of the match with the backstage politics, it makes you view it in a completely different lens. And I think of MJF's facial expression when he walks out every single week on Dynamite. He has a mean mug on his face and we don't think anything of it. But this particular mean mug, I'm like, yeah. he's upset about the backstage politics on top of that, too. When he got the stretcher job at the end, I'm like, are they writing him off TV? Is yeah. that what's happening right now? There's so many different lenses that we look at it because of the backstage politics that I really don't think anything changes in terms of the flow of the match, in terms of enjoyments. But at the same time, when you mix in the whole rumors and situation, it does kind of bug me a little bit. And also, too, I look at the match taking place to open the show, and I wonder, did that happen so MJF could just get out of Las Vegas as soon as possible and hop right. on the and not stick around for the rest of the show? I'm sure a report will come out about whether or not he stayed backstage at some point in the coming days because he's just the hottest thing going right now in terms of the news cycle. Everyone wants to know about MJF. And like Issa said, I feel like in the wrong way, because in the buy-in, Eddie Kingston cut an incredible promo that yes. immediately elevated my stock for the Anarchy in the Arena match, a match I really didn't care about beforehand. And I was like, that's how you get on my radar. MJF doing this kind of shady stuff to make his match elevated more. It was already like one of my most anticipated matches going in. I don't think it needed that extra layer. Raj, anything I'm saying here, am I crazy for thinking any of these or were you sharing similar thoughts? No, I agree 100%. Uh, yeah. I'm with you totally. Awesome. Well, yeah, I'm with, I'm with you as well. I'm with you as well. I, I wonder if we didn't get the backstage drama, if this was the way the match was supposed to go, it would have been such a humongous moment for Warlock to just come in and squash MJF because we've seen MJF put on some incredible matches in the last few pay-per-views. So, you know, I wish I, this is the one time that I wish we would have not gotten all of that in our ears before watching the match. Do you all, do you think everything was 100% a shoot with MJF? 
No. I don't know. I really, I really <laughs> don't know. It's it really hard to tell. I wonder, My I, I put it on Twitter earlier today, but my dream for this whole thing is to, for it to culminate in a Money in the Bank 2011-style match between MJF and CM Punk. With MJF in the CM Punk role and CM Punk in the John Cena role. MJF saying, I'm going to beat you for the title, and I'm going to leave. And instead of you leaving WWE, I'm going to leave and go to WWE. And I think that is a storyline that if it's going to work in 2022, it needs to be very protected, like inner circle, Tony Khan, MJF, and whoever he's facing are the only ones that know about it. Because the internet is just, you know, it's a wildfire at this point. That's what I want to believe. That's my headcanon. But I just, like, I read too much wrestling news to not believe that most of this was a shoot. You know what I mean? I think I think they want it to be presented as real. But again, MJF, yeah. he's not like, he's not Roddy Piper where he's been a gigantic star going back and forth where he can command uh, this attention, right? Yeah. Um, he, he, he's been a big star for the last year and a half. Um, I just, because if he has really got gotten that big of a head already, then that's a cause for concern. Yeah. My, my, my train of thought, I tweeted it out like Liam said this morning where I was like, okay, I slept on this. And once again, I made this point earlier. The only new cycle here is that he no showed fans pay money to meet him and he no show that. And that's just not cool. And did they pay? I forget how this exactly works. Did they pay specifically for him, or was it like? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So there is a bundle. You get to go into AW Fan Fest, and they have a couple of wrestlers that you can meet for free, included in just the entrance. But then you pay extra to meet certain wrestlers. MJF was part of the people that you have to pay extra to meet. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Before we move on to our next match, we have another super chat from Sheed Black, who says, I'm drinking Casamigos, Don Julio, and Patron Tequila. I hope I pronounced all those correctly in spurts with Simply Raspberry Lemonade. On another note, Gleesh Report is terrible. I can echo those sentiments. Do not, I feed do not get me started with, uh, I have Fight TV, and it was uh, a hot mess all night for me as well. So, Tony Khan. You said Fight. I have fight and it was a mess. So I just want to tell everybody, like Tony Khan, forget about dinners with Dana White, get a streaming service already because this this whole thing was a mess. And yeah, does Peacock, Peacock is not perfect, but I don't struggle through a pay-per-view like I did tonight with Fight TV. And I, I am hearing, like Liam said, Bleacher Report was not that much better either. It was fine for me. I, I had no issues. Yeah. It was fine. Yeah. I watched the whole thing. <laughs> it was fine for the whole show up until the main event. The one match I really cared about, it cut out like three times. It was a little frustrating. But let's move it, on to our next it match. It froze on me right before the ending, like right before CM Punk won. Come yeah. on. Come uh, on. I, I feel for you, Issa. But let's move on to our next match before. Should we mention at some point the uh, the the tweet that Tony Khan made about WWE and I made a tweet back. Oh, the, the Dana White thing? Yes. And yeah. then Tony Khan was DMing me last night about it. It was, uh, it was, a, it was funny. Because <laughs> you, you took the little dig, right? I took a little dig. It, like, yeah. I look, you know, Tony Khan gave WWE crap for running a pay-per-view on UFC fight week. I think that was WWE strategy was that there yeah. it's it's a busy week the yeah. UFC <laughs> events going to have 15,000 people you take out a lot of excess and 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 you you give them a, a show to go to so 
I, I the the strategy I don't think was opposing UFC as as no. I think it was to take you know take that audience and uh anyway you know it didn't work nobody out nobody shows up to the UFC shows onto the main card like nobody shows up for those pre-fights like nobody does and to your point SummerSlam was the same night of a huge boxing match I can't recall the yeah, top the of package. my drunk head Pack, yes yeah, it yeah. was the same freaking night they did right. the exact same strategy for SummerSlam so WWE knows what they're doing yeah, so yeah I mean it, it's worth trying it I my thing the reason why I think it didn't work out is because money they haven't made money in the bank feel like a Royal Rumble or SummerSlam I I, I think it's because you have two stadium shows on the same month right mm -hmm. so th both of these shows require fans to travel I think SummerSlam, like you said, has a bigger name value. So if I'm looking at, I'm going to travel to one of these shows, which one am I going to go to? Nashville is a cheaper city with a bigger name brand event. I'm going to pick SummerSlam, screwed money in the bank. Like yeah. you're doing two stadium shows, July 2nd and July 30th. I, as soon as they announced that, I was like, this is way off. You can't do two stadium shows that close together because you're making your fans right. pick a side. But I also, I do think that money in the bank is not quite there yet. I feel like if it was SummerSlam, like it would be, it, it would have been a different story because we, yeah. you know, we saw it last year. But so, you know, I just made a little joke, like, okay, well, yeah. I made a little joke too. He didn't DM me though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was just like, okay, yeah, you know, WWE did that, but you also are running, you know, double or nothing on the weekend when you have the NBA finals or the conference yeah. finals. And so, you know, I, I just said that, like, being tongue-in-cheek. It wasn't meant to be, like, you need to reschedule double or nothing. And this, is you know, it was just... I think I think your joke was actually more innocent than mine because my little joke was where was, was Tony Khan having dinner with Dana White when he's telling it's not no showing fan fest like maybe you should like realize what your priorities are. Yeah. <laughs> I will say it's a valid complaint too because as a Boston native, I tuned out for the match that everyone was raving about on Twitter, Anarchy in the Arena. I had to oh watch the fourth quarter to make sure the Celtics got the job okay, done. But but there and was yeah. still a long chunk of Anarchy in the Arena after the game ended because I was doing updates on my live stream of both teams going on. Yeah. And Andrew Ong sends in a super chat. He says the arena match was crazy. Yes. I was there live, had no idea what was going on, but it was amazing to watch, especially with the wild thing playing in the background. I'm sure we're going to get to that in okay, depth. We'll get to that. I, I, I like wild thing for a while. And then it's like, let's turn this fucking song off. <laughs> <laughs> I feel the same. I feel the same. Another thing I felt the same Raj uh, on your Twitter timeline, as you were in so many of, of my tweets, on my timeline was your thoughts on the hardy boys young buck match because it oh was touted as a modern day dream match and for 90 percent of it it just felt like a standard tag match on dynamite towards the end it did start to pick up steam it eventually ended with the hardys going over it did get those this is awesome chance eventually but it did take a while raj i would love to get your thoughts on hardy's young bucks did you catch the time they fought i believe it was at Supercard of honor in 2017 right, right before, before the Right, the day before the Hardys debuted at Mania, they were able to keep it all a secret. If you saw that match in 2017, how did this one compare? So I, I saw it so long ago that, and it, it's one of those that I look at stuff at you know with the environment where it's at. It's it, to me a dream match. Just you know, like two people. Ricochet and Will Ospreay, it's not a dream match, but you do it in the right environment and, and whatever, then it can be. 
Uh, the Hardys and the Young Bucks in ROH, that's not a dream match. But doing it in this kind of environment, it can be. I mean, it's two of the greatest tag teams of all time. The, the modern greatest between them. To me, the Usos are up there as well. Uh, and, and the New Day. Uh, and to do that match... And they, they really didn't build it up that much. It looks like it was announced last week, right? So yeah. the build kind of sucked. Um, it, it just felt like something that if I if I told you three months ago, they're going to do the Hardys versus Young Bucks, that's like a pay-per-view main event. Mm-hmm. And it just never got to that big yeah. match feel. It was just kind of like, oh, this is another match on the show. And uh, I just felt like, uh, and the actual match stuff, Jeff Hardy, I don't know what's going on. He looks like shit. Um, he did have his boot come undone for a large portion of the match. That's the okay. one area I'll give him slack. I, he was losing his balance. I'm like, what is going on? And then I saw his boot was wide open. Okay. But he, I, I don't feel like he's been, he's looked good in AEW so far. Mm-hmm. Like he has his moments, you know, he's super talented. Obviously he, he can pull out spectacular moves and everything, but I, I just feel like he has not been looking like, um, the Jeff Hardy that you want. And, and, and right. you know, when WWE released him, there was like, well, what are you thinking? There's all this, you know, all these dream matches that are going to happen to AEW. And I'm watching him I'm like, I don't see that happening now. And, uh, I mean, they're rushing a lot of these matches too. I, I, I felt like him and Darby could have also been on yeah. a pay-per-view and they kind of put it in that, in that, it's thrown. In the main event on that episode, kind of like very last second, and I was like, "What are we doing here? Like, are we just trying to get all these Jeff Hardy matches out of the way?" Because you know there was three matches for Jeff Hardy, you know when yeah. he came to AEW, but they don't feel like they're building them, and and this match too long. I mean, I, I get the booth part, um, Liam. I, I I saw that on Twitter because I didn't realize it. Uh, the match went on for way too long. Now. To, to be positive about it, you know how you said that Eddie Kingston got you into the match just watching the buy-in? Uh-huh. The segment on Rampage, the Young Bucks coming out of the Hardys, it bumped this match so much higher than what I needed. They did what they had to with a crappy build to make sure that you knew this match was happening. But I, I thought the match could have been short, like could have been cut at least seven. I mean, they had they got like 19 minutes and something seconds here. It went on too long, and it picked up towards the end. But you were just waiting for it to pick up and end. And and Matt Hardy now, oh gosh, I, I might get shit for this, but he looks like a crazy lady in in that old Hardy's gear. <laughs> like you know what I mean? Like they, they look, they don't look good in that gear. Jeff Hardy can pull it off because he's got the the makeup and everything. But Matt Hardy, he looks like. You know, someone with a bunch of cats. The young box looks better in the Hardy's gear than the Hardy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, yeah I, it's, just, I, it's just they just look bad. I hope they I hope they drop this soon. I echo a lot of what you guys are saying about this match. One of my biggest issues with it was what I felt about a lot of the matches on this card, and that's why I think Double or Nothing kind of stumbled compared to past AEW pay per views. I felt like a lot of these matches, and this one in particular was an excuse to get some of their main attractions on the card. Hardys versus Young Bucks on paper is a dream match, but the build was so rushed and it was like, you know, the Young Bucks are one of those acts where they're going to want to be on every AEW pay-per-view because they obviously helped found the company, but also because they're a selling point on a poster. When it comes to tag matching and building feuds without having titles involved, it felt like, oh, who can we put against the Young Bucks? 
that people are going to go towards are probably the Hardy Boys. That's I how can't I stop picturing Matt Hardy with a bunch of cats. <laughs> I was one. I was like, did I did I make a funny comment? No, no yeah. I just like <laughs> my brain works that oh, way. Yeah. Here, like... <laughs> yeah, this match. I'm again, never gonna be able to unsee it. Thanks a lot, Raj. Someone on Twitter. I, I need a Photoshop. Oh, no. Matt Hardy with a bunch. He of might cats. hear this too. Oh, geez. Yeah, I love you, Matt. I'm just saying this look is oh, not. Oh, I actually. Not good. I was on my stream and I was asking everybody like, which one is your favorite Hardy? And I was like the only one in my entire stream that was Team Matt. Everybody was like Jeff, Jeff. I'm like Matt is my favorite Hardy. Like, why is there no Matt lovers here? So I love Jeff. I love Matt Hardy, but. Matt that whole visual is not gonna win. I'm, I might have dreams or nightmares about this tonight. <laughs> we all love Matt Hardy here. Yeah, he's great. I, I mean, for them to be where they are this many years later, but he looks like he's throwing cats around. <laughs> Either way, where the Hardys go from here after a big victory, you got to figure they're going to work their way up the rankings. Maybe a tag title match is in their future. And speaking of title matches, as we move along down this card, Jade Cargill defending her TBS championship against Anna Jay, a match that went longer than I was expecting. And towards the end, we did get some storyline implications. Mark Sterling messed up, did the old classic. I, I was too young. I wasn't even alive when the baton got thrown and Rock intercepted it from Big Boss Man, whatever pay-per-view that was. I remember playing it on WWE 13 when we did the Attitude Era universe mode or whatever that was. But anyways, Mark Sterling tossed the crutch into the ring. Jay got it instead. This led to Stokely Hathaway making his AEW debut, looking to be like Jade Cargill's new manager. And what's interesting about this is I want to pull up a quote that Stokely Hathaway, the former Malcolm Bibbins, said just a couple weeks ago on May 6th. He said, is it for, is this it for you? Is this as far as it goes for professional wrestling? And he said, as for now, I have to say yes. I have to say yes. But will I come back? Maybe. Maybe for the right price. Well, I guess the right price arrived in just a couple of weeks because he is now in AEW aligned with Jade Cargill and the baddie section, but not aligned with them is someone who joined forces with Anna Jay and Chris Statlander after the match, the debuting Athena, former Ender Ember Moon, the fallen goddess is in AEW after much speculation and fanfare. She has arrived and is a big asset to a rapidly growing women's division. Raj, I'll go to you first for this one. How are we feeling about the title match itself, but also the storyline implications that happened after the belt. And and real quick, so some people in the chat, we got your super chats. It doesn't mean we haven't gotten to them. We're going to get to them. So just uh, just so you know. Um, so I think, uh, look, I, I look at Jade. I'm going to get canceled after tonight for sure. But here we go. Jade just, oh my God, she's just amazing she she has the look she looks like a marvel superhero she just pops like off the screen she reminds me of like sid vicious back in the day like you look at him he just pops off the screen and, and she has that just uh amazing and uh you know so i i thought her being anna j anna j has a bunch of charisma and everything but jade is jade's another level of of star yeah and seeing her, and I'm just like, man, you know, I, I see why AEW is pushing her the way they are. I could see WWE wanting her. And, and if they got her, I could see them, you know, putting her in that Charlotte Flair, Ronda Rousey realm. Mm -hmm. uh, she's she's amazing. She might not be uh, 
you know, uh, uh, Dean Malenko in the ring, but you don't need to be. I'd rather watch Jade Cargill than Dean Malenko personally. So I think she's doing awesome. (laughs) And uh, I thought this, you know, the ending of the match, I thought was a a mess with bringing uh, Malcolm Bivens in. I'm I'm forget what was his old name again? His new name, well, his name on the Indies is Stokely Hathaway. Stokely Hathaway. And then bringing Athena in, and it just kind of like, by the end, you don't remember anyone. Like, they did too much. If, if it was Athena coming in, taking out Jade Cargill, boom, you got something. By by doing all this shit, it was just kind of like, eh, what happened? Okay, we'll move on. Isa, I saw you pop for Stokely Hathaway when I mentioned his name. How do we feel? Love, about love, love seeing him. But I'm going to – oh, listen, I love Jade, too. I do. I think he's incredible. I, I love watching – I want to see her squash, bitches. I'm sorry for my language, but I just want to see her come out there and destroy these girls in, like, two minutes because she looks like she can. The match was horrible. The match was bad. And the ending made up for what the match itself was. It was sloppy. It was bad. I have notes. By the way, my note for the uh, Young Bucks is I'm bored. And for this, I wrote botch, botch, botch. Oh, my God. That's awesome. Because I was very happy to see um, formerly known as Malcolm Vivens here. At the same time, it's like I was rooting for possibly Chris Statlander to be the one. Now you kind of brought out Athena as well. So now it's just like, which direction are we going with here? I like that because for a long time, I feel like Jay had no competition. This match didn't even need to be in this card. Let's just be real. This match was added to have Jade in the pay-per-view, which I'm perfectly okay with because if I have Jade in my roster, I'm going to put her in the pay-per-view. But this match didn't need to happen. There's a lot of matches tonight that I couldn't live without. I'm excited to see what the competition holds for her. But if, if, if she's not there yet like raj said in the ring then put her in the ring against people that can hide those weaknesses and kind of like show her strength a or b book her like the beast that she is and just let her destroy these girls nobody's gonna look at her she could destroy adam cole if she wanted to you really think i'm gonna be mad if she comes out and destroys anna jay in, in two minutes no so i love the debuts i love seeing athena so happy for her but this this was not a good match I do have one more thing to kind of add to that is adding a manager, Malcolm Bivens, Stoney Hathaway, what, whatever his name is. Um, they have all these managers that don't add anything. They have, you know, uh, what's his face dressing up like Dracula and wearing, you know, <laughs> having the pitchfork. And Alex Abrahant. It's like, you know, like. <laughs> Is that a salary worth paying? <laughs> you know, <laughs> and, and and you have all these other managers, Vicky Guerrero, uh, Jake the Snake Roberts, who seem like they should be adding, but they're not really. And you have all these managers that really aren't in hand. They're, they're, you have no Bobby Heenan's and uh, no Paul Heyman's, and you're you're adding more managers and I'm a big fan of managers. I think they can uh, really uh, improve a a wrestler's presentation, but they're not finding the ones that are really improving and taking a wrestler to the next level. I haven't seen one yet. Maybe Don Callis. I think Don Callis did help Kenny Omega, but that's probably it. 
I completely agree. And hopefully Stokely is that guy to take Jade Cargill to the next level, even though she's already on such a high level. And everyone has always raved about his performance on the indie scene. It was very clear during his time on NXT TV that he poured his heart and soul into whatever act he yeah. was paired with. So hopefully now with, that he's with an established act like Jade Cargill in the batty section, it only goes up from here. Kevin sends in a super chat. He says, in my humble opinion, Athena should have debuted on Dynamite as Thunder Rosa's new challenger and the momentum for Statlander should continue as Cargill's next threat. I agree for the most part, but I do have some hesitation when it comes to debuting someone immediately as a title challenger. We saw what happened with yeah. Brian Cage going after John Moxley. You know, momentum at an all-time high, and then what happened? Ruby Soho. Loses. Ruby Soho. I saw her challenge Britt Baker for the women's title in New York City at Grand Slam, and then immediately after that, where does she go from here? It took her, what, you know, half, two-thirds of a year to get that momentum back, and as we saw in this show, it didn't really go anywhere. So, you know, I hope Athena, wherever they place her, there will probably be a big six-man tag that she'll compete in, but have her get some wins and earn that title shot eventually so that slow momentum builds up rather than having her peak at the beginning and then right. fumble on the way. And, and, and to that point, I'm going to put this in the chat and to you guys. Who has really seen a big bump six months after jumping from WWE to AEW? You know, there are so many people where you're like, oh, that person should jump to AEW. Keith Lee, obviously, you know, was one. Um, just tons of names. But how many have really seen a difference from where they were to where they are now? after six months so well I mean, you know punk is the only one i can think of and he was yeah, punk was a main eventer in punk, punk didn't well, jump. Yeah, punk of course. Jump. i mean yeah. what kind of seven year jump is that Come right on. well I, I mean like someone that went from the mid card to the main event um no yeah you know yeah i it's something that we'll have to keep our eyes on but some people who actually Moxley. But Moxley didn't jump. No, Moxley he let his contract a... expire, and he mm-hmm. and he went on his own way. It's not like somebody that got released and then W picked up. No, they haven't. And he was WWE champion. He was in the main event picture. He was the top guy. Yeah. We do have a couple super chats I want to get to before we move on to our next match. Yeah. Sweet Black sends in another one who says, outside of MJF and Wardlow, only Keith Lee and Swerve versus Ricky Starks and Powerhouse Hobbs had a good storyline. And build up, I mean, when you look at this whole card, they're probably one of the longer running storylines in terms of Team Taz versus Keith Lee and Swerve. And of course, they got, you know, brought into the tag team title picture, but I thought it worked for the most part. What did you guys think of the whole Keith Lee and Swerve Team Taz storyline? Issa, I'll go to you first. I mean, it's been a great storyline, but overall, I thought that one of the attractions of AEW was going to be with doing four pay-per-views a year. We were going to see very well-built storylines going into these pay-per-views because you have months to build them up. And that's not the case. You're still adding matches two days ago. They have no story to them. So I wish I wish that would change a little bit, but I agree. I think we're not. I think MJF proves once again that he always has the best built feuds going into a pay-per-view. And I did get a little bit into CM Punk and, MJ and and Hangman Page, but it was just a, they announced it on a Dynamite episode very randomly. Hangman wasn't even there. And then, I mean, they saved it this last Wednesday, in my opinion, with that promo battle that they have. But outside of that, it wasn't really, it didn't feel like a big feud. And Raj? So, I'm sorry, what what exactly, are we talking about the Keith Lee Swerve match? Outside but That of- was later in the show, right? Right, but outside of the key, outside of the tag title match and the MJF match, 
most of the matches on this card were very rushed storylines. Yeah. Low-term build. How did you feel the same about that? Oh, for sure. And, and, and the Keith Lee thing, the one thing that just blows my mind is that he was the gigantic surprise, right? Like that was the big hyped, huge name coming in, huge, gigantic surprise. And he's not even in a feature, really featured spot on on the pay-per-view. And and look, it's I, I can't blame AEW for how people are positioned right now because they have such a gigantic roster. I can blame them for overhyping surprises, and uh, yeah. I thought uh, I just feel like they did it with with Keith Lee and they, I, not so much with Swerve. Swerve, you know, look, I think Keith Lee Swerve. They're new. We'll see. We'll see where they are in six months. But uh, Swerve's in a better spot he, now than he was in NXT. We'll see. Oh, yeah. We'll see where they are in six months. But I, I thought, I thought, um, as far as storytelling went with this pay per view, it felt very rushed. Like the, yeah. they just kind of figured it out in the last couple of weeks where they were going. Young Bucks and the Hardys. That should have been months. Like just like announced a month ago and. You're just showing videotape of you know the the young bucks dressed like the Hardys and all this stuff. It it, it just feels like that was a gigantic storyline that kind of got condensed to their backstage, like oh you're you know your Hardys cosplay and this and that. But it, it just feels like there was a gigantic storyline that that got missed. Yeah, and, I, uh, I oh yeah. sorry, go ahead. I completely echo those sentiments. We do have another super chat I want to get to before getting to our next match. Marie Johnson saying that Jade had an offer from WWE. She turned them down because she wants to spend time with her kid. Raj, is this something you can verify for me? Yes. Yeah. So this was uh, developmental. Um, she had, they had given her a developmental deal, but she's going to get a different deal now. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, if she does get another offer from WWE, it would probably be straight to the main roster and something for a lot more money. Guaranteed she'll get something. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, moving on to I our mean, next match. Like, you know, there are some names that are no-brainers, right? Like, you look at the AEW roster and, like, WWE is going to want these guys. Jade, Wordlow, MJF. It's just, like, no, no-brainers. Especially with how NXT is nowadays, none of them fit the NXT build. And honestly, even when NXT was black and gold NXT, all three of those acts you mentioned are all very main roster ready acts and kind of positioned for the WWE machine as well. Six people that might not work in the current WWE machine, the House of Black and the Death Triangle, a little segue for you halfway through this (laughs) podcast. House of Black defeating the Death Triangle by pinfall after the lights go out and my brother goes to me, oh my God, is it going to be Bray Wyatt? And he was like, who is this girl? And I go, well, actually, this is something that's been building for quite some time. Julia Hart joins the House of Black, spits the black mist in Pac's eyes. My brother, who had only watched WWE before this, goes, is that Neville? And I was like, yup. And his name is actually Pac, which I got a kick out of. Issa, I'll go to you first for this one. House of Black, Death Triangle, the feud that's been going on for what feels like 500 years. How did you feel about the culminating match of all six matches? 
I knew they were going to put on a good match. Love the presentation of House of Black with the makeup. I, I love seeing all three of them. Same with the triangle, even Pac wearing the mask. Like, I really like mm -hmm. how they came out looking like trios. Really made me look forward to this trios title. But this field has been going on forever. They were in the buying of Revolution. It was like a different combination, but they were in the buying of Revolution. So it's like, I know I just complained for for feels not being built long enough, but this one has been going on for a while. So I was like, just let them put on a really good match and let's move on from this. I, well, I, I don't get pop anymore about the lights going out in AEW, no offense, but I really don't. I've learned my lesson. I have no expectations. <laughs> so, but Julia Hart coming out because I don't know if this is playing out on their YouTube shows. I do not watch the YouTube shows and neither does half of their audience, according to the numbers. So this is something that they continue to play out there or not. Half of the people forgot that she got missed by Alistair Black months ago. So it probably made no sense to a lot of people, but I, I like the continuation of the story. We'll see what she adds to House of Black, but I'm ready for them to move on for the triangle. The match was good. Uh, up to this point, my favorite match of the night. Raj, before you give your thoughts, I did want to bring up some tweets he had about this match. You, yeah. you acknowledge the fact that it was like, from a pure wrestling standpoint, there was some stuff to be enjoyed. But you did mention something mm -hmm. interesting that I did take. I, I agreed with with what you said. Did anyone care about who actually won this match? Uh, now, since no. you've had some time to settle on it, have your opinions changed? Or do you still feel the same about just kind of some flippy indie wrestling? Well, I mean, I think that's... Uh... You know, one of the things when when people like I used to be a fan back in the day and I don't watch anymore. You, you could not imagine how many people I tell uh, the, the first thing they ask, you know, when they're like, oh, what do you do for a living? <laughs> I run a wrestling site. And then they're like, oh, you make money off of that? And it's like, oh, yeah. you know. Like, oh, yeah, I used to watch that shit. I used to like Macho Man and, you know, uh and the stuff that they liked, the reason that they liked it was the characters and storylines. Now, now it's so much about of the in-ring. Like mm. people care about the performance. And when I was watching this, I'm like, man, no one in this arena really cares who wins. House of Black are supposed to be the heels. You should be wanting them to lose. It's like when Jake the Snake and The Undertaker <laughs> ruined the Macho Man's wedding. You want... <laughs> You're not chanting this is awesome with Macho Man and Jake the Snake. You're, you know, you want Macho Man to get his revenge. And that's gotten lost. And I this this match was one of those. And Julia Hart, the whole thing, is just one of those shitty storylines where it's like no one cares. Um if, if if it was a real TV show and you spent that long and that was the payoff, you would just get savaged by it you know, uh, across the board, but yeah, it's wrestling. To your point, Raj, there's a lot of matches in here that you have no clue who to root for and who the heel was supposed to be. This isn't the only case of this happening. There's a lot of matches tonight that I was like, who's supposed to be the heel right. here? Like, who am I <laughs> supposed to root for if I'm just a casual fan watching with somebody else or something like that? And this is one of them. You're absolutely right. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I threw a lot out. <laughs> I completely yeah. agree with both points. I'm a big fan of the House of Black. I think they have a lot to offer in AEW. I think they could be a future main event act if they ever want to put the belt on Aleister Black far down the line, obviously. There, there is some stuff that has to get done beforehand. But I like the way these three work together. Brody King and Aleister Black 
or Malachi Black, excuse me, have had chemistry for a while. They obviously tag in PWG. And Buddy Matthews, man, there's just something about the way that guy moves in the ring. Like you said, Raj, do I know anything about his character? Zero zilch nada. I just like his moveset. And for Buddy Matthews, that's enough for me. Seeing him wearing face paint and everything, it just feels like... Face paint with forced. Yep. Yeah, it just I it agree. just feels, you know, again, it's like uh, uh, if uh, Urkel was going to be a Cobra Kai. <laughs> like it doesn't fit you're just doing it to do it but okay whatever i will say i i laughed at someone had a sign in the front row that said make buddy get tattoos and i was like i know i always bitch about that it's like why is he so clean cut next to these two fully tattooed guys like it drives me crazy well i mean buddy doesn't fit in with their character so have him be like i don't know a bodyguard or something that is uh it's a part of them but you're not acting like you're in the same blood if that makes sense right yeah and stables do that all the time where they right. like the, the nwo bischoff is not hogan nash and hall mm-hmm. but he's part of the nwo you know it's kind of like that kind of thing where you, but they were you know. in the same mental institution raj come on i know i know <laughs> what am i thinking <laughs> who could forget of course (laughs) that's my that's my modern wrestling brain kicking in but let's move on down this card uh two matches i kind of want to combine together because they were kind of you know they culminated in the same segment adam cole beats samoa joe to win the men's edition of the owen hart cup tournament while Britt baker you know his plus one defeated ruby soho to win the women's edition of the Owen Hart Cup tournament. After both matches concluded, Baker and Cole got to the top of the ramp where Dr. Martha Hart came out, gave a really heartfelt speech, a lot of Owen chants. You could tell the crowd was getting pretty emotional as well as Martha Hart herself. And then Baker and Cole accepted the trophy as well as two special edition titles, which I believe had a very familiar design to them. I saw it going on on Twitter and everything. A lot of people were very impressed with how the title belts looked themselves. Issa, I'll go to you first for this one. Uh, I am curious about your thoughts on Britt Baker specifically, because a lot of people are wondering if she's kind of getting booked like AEW Charlotte Flair, where, you know, Charlotte wins the Rumble that one year. Charlotte wins, you know, she beats Asuka at WrestleMania. She beats Ronda Rousey. Just to, you know, she's She's managed to do what the rest of the roster hasn't been able to do. Never bet against Britt Baker. Fair enough. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's one way that you can put her over without having her in a title picture. And you just have to go with it. I, I absolutely love Britt Baker. Britt Baker has it. She has that it factor. She can talk on the mic. There's a lot of women in, in, in their division that can't go on the mic the way Britt Baker can. She can command an entire arena. Look at that Rampage episode in Pittsburgh. The way that it's just, I love Britt Baker. Um, I, I feel bad for Ruby Soho here you know because as soon as the match like as soon as they announced the final i was like oh no ruby so i'm gonna lose to her again i kind of knew because this is a way to get Britt baker a big win without having her in the title picture samoa joe and adam cole i still am mind blown at the fact that this was a first time match because these guys feel like they would have crossed paths before uh-huh. but because it was a first time match i feel and this is all me i had higher expectations from what we got it was a good match don't get me wrong but i was like this is gonna be match of the night for me they're gonna steal the show like it's the first time they're facing off 
Um, overall, I, I don't need another annoying couple, so I hope this doesn't turn into another Ty Conti and Sammy Guevara with the two of them winning. I'm happy that they won. I think they're a big deal in AEW. I think Adam Cole did also need a big win, and he's not involved in the title picture. So I'm not upset at the finish. I just hope it doesn't take it any further into this whole, oh, my God, look at us. We're a second annoying couple in AEW. Oh, uh, geez. I, I, I actually have a lot on that. I, I think Britt's awesome. I think Ruby Soho, um, I really like her, but she's overrated. Um <laughs> Fire. Seriously, I mean, you know, when when people were like, "Oh, yeah, she needs to go to AEW," she, you know, and then now she's here, and you see, she's got a you know a good entrance song. Some people like it; it's not my cup of tea. But outside of that, it's not like the fans are into her once the bell goes. I don't, I don't feel like her character is quite there. Um. I think she's a great talent in the ring. She can she can work. She can go, but I don't think her character is worthy of a. a I don't match know what her character Baker. is. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. It, you know, Tony Storm. I don't know what she's supposed to be like. This, like you know, like the. I remember the video packages she was doing prior to coming to AW. Her social media were great. Like, you know, the lost one or whatever. And now she came to AW, and I don't feel the. I don't feel they relate. You know right. what I mean? Like, and I would tell Rush to your point, when the crowd turned on her on Friday, that's when I knew Britt Baker was winning. I was like, even if the decision was for Ruby to win, as soon as I saw the crowd reaction to her not allowing Britt to speak, I was like, okay, that's it. They're gonna they're <laughs> gonna have Britt win. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And 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 that's where we are. Uh, so look, I think she's great in the ring. I think she's super talented. I don't think she's a, a personality enough to be on the level of a Britt Baker on a pay-per-view. I think Britt Baker is special. I hated that they had her and Adam Cole be like, hey, we're having a good time posing for the statue. We won. We're... Because I don't know if you watch uh, uh, Better Call Saul, but you're not going to have Lalo Salamanca at the end being like, hey, we're having fun. We're having fun here. You're it's still on the show. Mm-hmm. You're still a heel. You're still a bad guy. Either you hey, you're not a bad guy around your loved one. Like I'm a bitch to like 90% of people, but to my dog, I'm the biggest sweetheart. You know what I mean? There's those people that can get that side of you or animals. But so completely <laughs> they're uh, the opposite. I Where they're it. him, her and Adam Cole are like, hey, oh, this is great. This is lovely. Um, yes. <laughs> my my biggest issue with it though it, it's not the fact that there are heels it's that Britt baker won her match cleanly and adam cole on the other hand bobby fish interfered like sure he didn't directly toss in a weapon or he didn't pull the ref out of the ring but he caused distractions the intention was there to cheat from adam cole and i know it's wrestling who cares? i think jeff hardy should have won the men's uh owen hearts owen Hart I- tournament I am going to say, Liam, that you have to protect Samoa Joe. Like Ruby Soho, no offense, has no character, nothing going on TV. Samoa Joe is a Ring of Honor TV champion. You cannot have him just lose just like that. So I, I, I said if Adam Cole wins, it's not going to be clean because I personally, I had chosen Samoa Joe because of the fact that he is the Ring of Honor Ring of Champions. Once I saw him come out without the title, I was like, okay, he's not winning. 
and he wasn't wearing pink. Apparently that was the secret code. But regardless, <laughs> it's like you have to protect him somewhat because he is a champion in your other brand right now and you don't want to make him look like he can lose to this 90 pound guy just like that. I think that's no offense, fair. <laughs> so, so the reason why I think Jeff Hardy uh, should have won is because he actually wrestled Owen and he could have given a speech about, uh, you know, he could have given a firsthand experiences. Uh, if Adam Cole, they, uh, as assholish as it sounds, they should turn heel on Martha Hart. <laughs> Granted, you're not going to say like Owen was a bum. But, uh, you know, you're a heel. You got to do something. I don't know what you say because Owen is so revered. I, I don't know how you do that. But Owen's the greatest of You know, look, I, I was uh, I was thinking of watching this tournament and how Owen was the one guy back in the day when uh, when that happened, the, the, the tragedy happened. And it was the worst day you know like uh professionally uh, since then I, I don't think i've ever had uh, a wrestler pass away that meant that much uh, as it did with owen but his name still brings a, a smile to my face whereas when i think of eddie automatically i think sadness or chris menoir obviously i think horror um so many other guys it's just like owen i i just it's happy thoughts that immediately come to mind and um, eh, I don't know. I, I forget what my point was. Cheers. <laughs> Cheers, of course. Well, either way, this is clearly something AEW is going to do for future years to come. And if this was the first edition, I think that there are ways to improve it. But at the same time, I think that the moments were still handled along the way, especially with pretty good care. And I loved hearing Martha Hart's speech. Uh, it clearly meant so much to her to see like the Owen chance and everything and seeing uh, Cole and Baker, you know, with the titles and everything, even if it was a kind of breaking character moment, I still thought overall it was a highlight on a show that will kind of largely be forgotten in the AEW paper. So what if, what if, what if Adam Cole super kicked oh Martha? <laughs> oh <my> <laughs> I'm making sure we get canceled here. This is taking a turn. I was I was gonna say maybe they won because there was only one cup. Like they had two belts, but there was only one cup. So they were like, if we put it in the same household, then it won't be an issue. You know, I that's my theory as of why Adam Cole and Britt Baker won. But I think they're just gonna carve their names into it like the NXT Dusty Rhodes classic, and they'll just you know <laughs> pass it down for years to come. But who knows? So let's uh, not super kick. Let's not super kick the lady. Like she I agree. Oh, you could super kick. If he was there, yeah, yeah, he, he oh, yeah, there. yeah, yeah, one thousand percent of that guy, but not Martha. Come on, yeah, you can't do Martha. Oge, Oge, have you guys seen Oge? Just yeah, Oge he looks Hart. just like Owen Hart. He looks just like his dad. Like, but jacked. Like this dude yeah. is made for wrestling. Him yeah. and um, what's his name? Um, Chris Benoit's kid. He looks oh, yeah. just like him as well, David. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh my God, it will be so weird. It will be so eerie if those two decide to wrestle because there's no way you're not gonna see their dads. If, it's funny when, you I know, if they... to, when I talked to David, at, uh, I talked to him a lot in person at uh, Double or Nothing two years ago. Yeah, uh, in 2019, and it was just like, you know, it was uncomfortable because it's like, oh shit, you look just like Chris. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> 
before we move on to our next match, we do have a couple more super chats I want to get to. Sheed Black, again, thank you so much for the super chats. I believe this is his third of the night. Outside of MJF, no true heels exist. Randy Orton has heel tendencies and still gets cheered, and I love Orton. I, I think he makes a, a decent point in terms of no true, true heels exist, but there are some. No, Roman Reigns just made children cry on he national did. television. Oh, Fox, thank you very much. Come on, acknowledge him. But he is cool as shit. Like, he's yeah, kind he of is. one of yeah, those that is cool. You know, he's not like uh, Bully Ray Still, back Still, children day. were crying, Raj. You're a father. Mm. Come on. My my daughters are just like, oh, Roman Reigns is on? I'm watching. They I love know. Roman Reigns. Another here from Sheed Black. He says Jade versus DMD is coming down the road. I hope Definitely. when we get to that point, Jade has a little bit more in-ring experience. Obviously, she's had, what, 31, 32 matches at this point. And she has, you know, a year of television experience. But she feels more television ready in terms of being a presentation for TV as opposed to being fully in-ring ready to have a 15, 20-minute back-and-forth classic-style match. So I hope we get that match eventually because I really don't know who would win. And then one more from Sheed Black. He says, salute, everyone is drinking and having a good time. Non-alcoholic seltzers. Uh, We've been drinking. There was a super chat a long time ago. I think we might have missed it from Tornado. And I know Tornado is always in here. Tornado? uh, Putting putting, putting the Tornado thread up. But I think, I believe he said that the wizard appreciates the Tornado. So I'm just... You know, I can't get it up in the screen, but I saw it. It was it was at the beginning of the show, and I know we missed it. I just want to give a shout out to our friend Anthony Y, aka the Tornado. I'll see if I can find it here. There we go. Yes, the Wizard is the Tornado. Way back at the very beginning, but of course, how to show love to everyone. (laughs) Um, another match on this card as we get down. The very long match card. American Top Team versus uh, Sammy Guevara, Frank Kazarian, and Ty Conti. I know everyone's favorite match of the night. Everyone's favorite storyline that everyone's just been fully invested in every single week on Dynamite. Hey, even Sammy, Frankie, and Ty all got on Twitter after this was over and said, thank God this is over. So it's very clear everyone wants to move on. American top team get the win. They are made up of TNT champion Scorpio Sky, Ethan Page, and the debuting Paige Van Zant, someone who I remember had WWE's eye way back in the day, and now she's a little bit more established in the UFC world. Not as big of a crossover star as another American top team member like Jorge Masvidal, per se, or Junior Dos Santos, but still a recognizable figure in the MMA world. Issa, I'll go to you first. How did you feel about Paige Van Zant's pro wrestling debut? So when she first started like getting physical, right? Like I couldn't wait for her to get tagged in. Cause I'm gonna be honest with you. I didn't care about this match. It was added last minute. I was a little upset about having her in-ring debut not being hyped at all. So I'm watching this match just to see her get physical. When she first got in the ring, it felt very wrestling school one-on-one. Oh, she, she hit a coastline. She did this, like she was hitting all the basic moves. I started becoming impressed when she became involved with Sammy Guevara. When she had that spot with Sammy Guevara, I was like, okay, I see where this is going. Is she there yet? No. Did they rush this? Yes. I think um, we could have put in a whole different storyline and wait a little bit longer to present her. But they did the right thing by putting her in this match where you can protect her. She doesn't have to be involved as much. I thought she looked great. I like her gear. Um, I think the fact that nobody cared for this field really hurt her in-ring debut. I wanted more for her, but the fact that we were so over the story and the people involved in it, 
hurt her, but I thought I thought she did a she did a fine job for it being her first time and us not knowing what to expect and just over the story. I'm ready to move on. I need the TNT title to start being defended on this pay-per-view and I need for Scorpio Sky to to make that title great again. Because there was a time where I used to look forward to a TNT title matchup more than anything. And that hasn't happened, if I'm being honest, since Miro dropped it. Raj, um, how do you feel about Paige Van Zandt? Me? Yeah. Um, so I thought, um, I thought this was the worst thing on the show up until this point. I thought it was... Uh, Look, I, I think Paige Van Zandt is a, has superstar qualities. Like she has the presence. You know, there is there are some things you just can't teach. Roman Reigns has that. You can't teach it. You look at him and you're just like, oh my god, that guy. Who is that guy? Um, the airport test, whatever. I know people make fun of it, but you know there are certain some people that have it, and and they are the ones that end up being stars in general if they can also wrestle. Paige Van Zandt is kind of has that uh i i think uh jade, jade cargill i mentioned earlier she she has that um but i thought this match was just god awful um i thought uh you know Paige van sent her first match it should be a big deal it should be going out like former ufc star making her you you know pay-per-view debut her, her you know pro wrestling debut it should have been a, a story and it felt rushed like oh oh shit oh Paige Van Zandt's wrestling in this match it, it, it kind of yeah. felt like that and uh and, and you know again this TNT title it just feels like it's funny because Tony Khan uh he got mad during one of these press junkets when someone mentioned the TNT title as a secondary title and he's like, no, it no is. it's the same as the world title. It's like, no, it's it's fucking not. It's a sec. It's beyond a secondary title. It's not even a main event on most dynamites. You know, it's lucky to be the main event of a rampage. Um, yeah, it's just a worthless title. I feel like you're doing Paige's first match, and AEW fans, don't worry, it's going to get more positive after this, but. I thought up until this point, this was the worst AEW pay-per-view that they had done up until this point. Yeah, actually past this point as well. I, I didn't turn around for me until um, Thunder Rose and Serena Deeps, if I'm being honest. Yeah, yeah, same yeah. here. I, I echo your sentiments, and I really feel like, especially with this match, they booked themselves into a corner. Because you had another tweet I agreed with, Raj, on this one. Who are the heels? Who are the faces? Well, actually, we know. That's, who, that's the one I was referring to. We well. know the heels uh, on one side, at least two-thirds of them. But then Kazarian, halfway through the match, when he was kind of a heel leading up, embraces the babyface side, tells Sammy Guevara to screw off. But then he still competes because obviously he would, per the stipulation, if he loses or if Sammy Guevara or Ty Conti gets pinned, he loses future TNT title shots so long as Scorpio Sky is champion. So it's like, I get the logic of he's not going to fully turn on the team because he wants to protect the stipulation. But at the same time, him only doing a half measure felt so weird to me. And like American top team, why is, is Dan Lambert supposed to get cheered? Scorpio Sky, after the match, and we had the backstage segment where Dante Martin confronted him, caught a very babyface promo complimenting Dante Martin before saying, well, I'm still going to beat you and you, you're going to get what's coming to you. But still, the, the, the blurred lines right now, it, it doesn't feel blurred lines intentionally. It doesn't feel like they're tweeners. It feels like they're heels, but they don't really, they're kind of being molded into, oh, you're a heel, 
but you're feuding with heels who are more pure heels. So therefore, try to be a little bit of a face. So Liam, you're saying, I actually agreed with you on this tweet. What are some of the tweets that you didn't agree with? Well, you just had some some very emphatically like angry at the House of Black match that I was having a blast with. Like um, like what? Name one that you disagreed with. Let's say let's hear it. You you uh, said something about the House of Black match that it was like flippy nonsense, and I was like, well, I don't know. I like when Buddy Murphy does his flips. No, no, no. I did not say that. I said uh, when when you're caring more about the flips as opposed to story. Sure. Yeah. And well, when I say I agreed with this tweet specifically, it's not because I disagreed with other of your tweets, but that <laughs> some of them I'm, I'm like, I'm 100% on the same page, while other ones I'm like, I might have a counter argument on the podcast. I'm trying to keep, I'm trying to keep my job, so I'm just going to say I love if you disagree <laughs> with me. I'm just curious what, if you do, where it is. In the future, I'll, I'll, I'll actually bookmark them and not just mentally bookmark People in the them. chat, too. You disagree with me. Let it known. I didn't see your tweets tonight, uh, Raj. Since I started doing watch-alongs, I actually I don't get on Twitter because obviously I'm live. And that has actually changed my viewing experience, Liam, oh. for the record, because I'm not watching it through social media's eyes. Oh. I'm just watching and giving, oh. you know, my people on YouTube my point of view. But I, ha- I will say sometimes you think you like something and I get on Twitter and I'm like, Nobody liked them. Maybe I don't like it as much as I thought I did. It, it changes everything if you don't watch it through social media's eyes. It really does. It's a very good point. And also, too, when I pay for something, especially 50 bucks for an AEW pay-per-view, I try to be as optimistic as possible because I don't want to yeah. feel like I just wasted my money. While with a Dynamite or a Rampage, I'm going to watch it a lot more, you know, straight down like, the middle. It's rare, I'll say this, that uh, I've watched a wrestling pay-per-view where I felt like, it was ripped off at the end. Hell in a Cell, where Bray Wyatt was disqualified and, you know, where they had the big giant hammer and all that shit. That's one. But overall... You wanted your $10 back? <laughs> yeah, exactly. But overall, you know, AEW always delivers. It's it's always going to be worth your 50 bucks, in my opinion. But that's the thing, though. I, I feel like past AEW pay-per-views, I've been like 100%. Yes, this also has replay value, which is awesome. I've watched All Out 2021 from start to finish probably four times by now. This is not All exactly out, I was show. there live, and it's completely different to this. Full gear as well. I was there for full gear. Mm-hmm. This one, I, I don't know that I would watch it from start to finish. Not Same. at all, actually. This, this is not one I can see myself putting on in the background. There are certain moments that I would like to skip to to kind of relive them, but not a show that I can go start to finish. We have another super chat here from the Tornado. I want to get to it before it gets too lost in the shuffle. Esau, aren't you? Maybe the Tornado will have to throw some stripes back on in two weeks on Raw if Roman shows. FYI, Tornado merch coming soon. The go. threat level is at an all-time high. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to keep a lookout for Tornado merch, I guess. Uh, we moved down this card to a match that was very much just thrown in a match that I think was kind of thrown in to buy them time just in case the finals went too long. And clearly they didn't need to be bought time because this pay-per-view wrapped at still like 1245 an hour 15 after the Celtics game ended. That was Kyle O'Reilly and Darby Allen. And in something kind of surprising, Darby Allen lost, you know, this is one of the AEW OGs that I feel like they always want to protect. No matter what happens with Darby, they still seem to give him pretty big wins. His TNT title reign is still probably my favorite individual AEW title reign in company history so far. 
And here he is losing to Kyle O'Reilly on pay-per-view, coming off of a loss to MJF at full gear and a loss to CM Punk at all. And a loss okay. to Jeff Hardy. And a loss to Jeff Hardy on Dynamite. Exactly. There's there's a lot of wishy-washy stuff going on with uh, Darby Allen's booking. But on the flip side of this, Kyle O'Reilly, they are clearly behind. As is a there a flip guy. side to this, Liam? Well, I, I'm trying to look at it off the list. Permission to speak freely. Go for it, Ryan. I want to hear <laughs> yes, it. Yes, Ryan. <laughs> How, how brutal can I get? As brutal can I, as can I say, it's 2 a.m. It's 2 a.m. This is Wrestling Inc. After Dark. Everyone <laughs> listening, make sure not to tell Kyler Riley what I'm going to say. Can I okay. say my one optimistic thing first? Yeah. It doesn't sound like sure, a counter Go and be positive, Keith. With <laughs> Kyler Riley going over Ray Phoenix a couple weeks ago on Dynamite, and now him also going over Darby Allen. I appreciate that it doesn't feel like 50-50 book. And it feels like they're slowly putting steam behind Kyle O'Reilly as a singles wrestler. That's all I'll say. Raj. Can I, can I ask you how, how many uh, promos are you like, oh my God, did you hear what Kyle O'Reilly said? <laughs> <laughs> you know, Kyle O'Reilly has the charisma of a, uh, you know, uh, a piece oh my, of cantaloupe. He, he, my, my dog's like, it's like this longing. There's more charisma on my dog's tail. He, he just doesn't have it. He he's good in the ring, whatever. But as far as someone that is going to get you interested in the storyline, again, everyone listening to this, please make sure not to say anything. <laughs> this is between us. Um, he's he's just got no charisma. He's just the worst. Um, he's just one of those guys. That when you're watching, it takes away from the match that he's in it. Like I, 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 I'm like, I'd rather not be watching this, even though it's going to be a good athletic contest or whatever. But yeah. it's just like a, 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 the interest level is sucked down. And I mean, just there, there was a few weeks there where Kyler Riley tried cutting a promo and sat down in the middle of the ring, fumbled his words. He's just not, uh, he's not entertaining. He's not a interesting character. He's, there's a reason why Adam Cole was the guy. Adam Cole is the guy. He's, he's awesome. Um, yeah. Anyway, I, I spit out a lot there. Uh, back me up here, Isa, a little bit. <laughs> yeah. I watch this match and if I'm, if I'm, if I'm walking like by a room and I see this on TV, I would think it's my two teenage nephews just having a fun wrestling match like they do in the room like there was nothing believable about these guys i'm sorry liam i can see you're heartbreaking but <laughs> kyle o'reilly is not it i watched darby allen matches for the crazy spot that i know at some point is coming in the match and that's it that's all darby allen has become to me maybe it's because of all these losses he's, he's come from and, and i haven't really been a big fan and when you put him against mr no charisma I, it was it was the intermission in my screen, if I'm being honest with you. you this was my intermission match. You know, what's, you know what's hilarious? We were watching E.T. the other night. So my daughters had never... They, they watched it way back in the day. So I was trying to get them to watch it again. And there was, was one part where it's the most random insult where he's like yelling, zero charisma. And he's like, Max, degenerate, zero charisma. And when she's saying zero charisma, I'm like, oh, Kyle O'Reilly. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, we, we sarcastically used to call him Mr. Charisma on the Tuesday night um, podcast when we were covering him in NXT, but it, it doesn't help that this match had no story, Liam. Like, it, mm-hmm. it, like the whole thing that they try to tell is like, oh, well, Kyle O'Reilly took out Sting, so now, you know, Darby must avenge Sting. Like, let's be real. You looked at your car and you said, oh, shit, Darby's not in the car. We got to throw him in there. That's what this was. There was no story to this. At no point was Sting, like, mentioned. I just... It doesn't help that you have this character that can't really bring people over in a match that has zero storyline to it. This is another match that I could have done without tonight. And Darby can't talk either, but he has 200% more charisma than Kyle Wright. Oh, yeah. I will say, I said this earlier in the, the podcast about some of the matches being thrown together as an excuse to get guys on this card. It very did clearly feel yeah. like, oh, crap, we don't have Darby Allen on the pay-per-view. And, you know, MJF has a match. Jungle Boy has a match. Sammy Guevara has a match. Here's one of the four pillars that, you know, have been established since the get-go who doesn't have a match. One who have we've arguably pushed, you know, <clears throat> second most compared to MJF. So... I understand the mentality of getting Darby on this card, but at the same time, there were places he could have gone in. Uh, well, you should have just kept him off the match because put him in the match just to win the match to lose, then to lose because that was the more shocking part to me is that he lost after losing all of these one-on-one matches. If he's not in a trios or tag team match with Sting, he's not getting any wins unless we're going to build something from that now moving forward. That he's like realizing that he's not the same. Where, where has it gone? I don't have it anymore. If you don't build from there, then this wasn't necessary. I'd rather you leave him off and have him like do a backstage like what they did with Andrade. Why not do a video where he's blowing something up in his backyard like he always does and, and include him in there somehow, you know? <laughs> Sorry. And, and with this match, I completely forgot it existed. I forget what happened. <laughs> Darby won. I mean, uh, Colorado. the I, end. Towards the end, I thought they gave him a lot of time, and this is when the game was going towards the end. So I figured they were gonna try to like get him to fill in it. But but towards the end, when he started building towards the finish, I did think they did a good job. I was into the match. I will give him that. I think that's fair. Uh, and we'll move on to our next match. I believe our fourth to last match, and then we also have a yes, the women. Of course, Thunder Rosa defending her title against Serena Deeb, successfully defending her title. And a very back-and-forth technical brawl. Isa, you said that this match was one of the ones that turned around the pay-per-view for you. I'd love to just hear your sentiments. I needed them to come out there and wrestle each other. And that's what they did. I, I was so happy watching this match. It was like they kept countering. Whatever the other one was throwing at the other, they just kept countering it and countering it. And they killed it for a poor build, a horribly booked champion on Thunder Rosa, her taking out Serena Deeb, who have, if you're following her story up to here, because I did think that Serena Deeb was the right call for challenging Thunder Rosa. It's just that they built it horribly. But the way that the match went, I was so proud of them. I was so happy. They freaking put on a technical wrestling match. And I thought both ladies looked great. Even Serena Deeb's in defeat. It was awesome to see Thunder Rosa finally get that moment to, like, yeah, she's the champion. If she can freaking go and let her freaking go it was great i'm so proud of these women raj permission to speak freely yeah sure <laughs> <Why> not? <laughs> i'm not gonna I thought back this you off was on one of the one, best so. matches on the show 
I, but okay. I do think that AEW positions women match women's matches in shitty oh, yeah. spots on the show. I thought it was yeah, yeah, yeah. put in a spot where uh, it was kind of like in the down position, you know, where people are coming down, you're, you're, you're waiting for the main event. Um, I just felt like it, it, they're not putting the women's matches where they should be. And because they're not doing that, it's self-assuring them. It's like, oh, well, it didn't get over, so that's why we should keep doing this. And it's like, no, you keep you keep putting it in the segment on Dynamite before the main event. Um, you're positioning it to fail. And um, I don't know. I just felt like this was kind of positioned in that kind of way. But I thought Serena Deeb and Thunder Rosa did an amazing job of getting the the fans into it because for a while it was quiet like early on and then they the, brought the, the crowd fans into yeah it. the crowd woke they up got them yeah, into the it and they, and that's why i feel like they're so amazing and they're totally i will pros. tell you one thing raj to your point as, as as shitty as the spot was because maybe of how i saw kyle o'reilly and darby allen i see this match as the turnaround point of the pay-per-view for me and for that i'm happy Pace-wise, it wasn't good, but when I'm looking at watching the pay-per-view overall, this is when I was like, okay, I'm having fun now. Let's do this. Yeah, I, yeah, I could see that for sure. Yeah. 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 yeah I, 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 I thought this match was really good, and, and I thought they got they got the crowd at the end. They did an amazing yeah. job. They're pros. They know how to get them. I did make a little joke about uh, the polka dots. <laughs> I don't know if you've seen Suicide Squad, but oh, of course, <clears throat> the polka dot guy. Yeah, polka dot man. Yeah, but outside of that, uh, I always like to get myself in trouble. But it, it, <laughs> it, it was it was awesome. I thought I thought this was the turning. As Issa said, this was the turning point of the pay per view. So proud. I, of I, I thought so this pay per view up until this match kind of sucked. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree with the turning point sentiments. I feel like after this, the pay-per-view really kicked into another mm-hmm. level. It really resurrected the momentum, which is kind of crazy, too, because the crowd was alive from start to finish. Sure, there were some lulls every now and then during matches, but they still got hype for every single match. So I think the MVP of tonight has to go out to that Las Vegas crowd. But we move on to a backstage segment where usually I won't highlight the backstage segments on these pay-per-view recaps, but this one was pretty big. Andrade was at a table. There was there was no crowd noise during this. We got to hear the pop after the fact. But he was mentioning how the AFO, he doesn't like the name, and he thinks they're all losers. And he actually has a new business partner. And I was wondering for a second, because he recently just got married, it's like, is this going to be Ric Flair? Is Ric Flair going to debut in AEW in a backstage segment? Good point. And then when he mentioned the fact of he's familiar with this guy, he's a great wrestler all around the world, I go, well, yeah, Ric Flair, his last match is coming up after all. No, I'm kidding. I obviously went to the Rush mentality. Roosh, excuse me. Roosh. Roosh, of course. And uh, that's who eventually entered. A very sharp-dressed man, great sunglasses, great beard trim on Roosh as well. And we got to hear the pop after the fact. They shook hands. You know, they were on screen together for a good 15 seconds. The promo ended, and you could still hear the crowd having some applause. So I think this is a force to be reckoned with. And I think this is a much needed shot of adrenaline for Andrade. Cause you talk about guys who come into AEW from WWE, hoping for their careers to be resurrected. 
Andrade has been lower mid-card for his entire AEW run. He had the match with Cody that obviously has the main event spotlight. But the AFO, like you said, a bunch of losers. Like, that's a faction that literally never wins. So I'm glad he's now pivoted, and hopefully him and Roosh go after the tag titles. Issa, how did you feel about Roosh's AEW debut? No clue. No clue who Roosh is until now. I just now learned his name, thanks to you, William, but... The way you hyped him up, I'm sure he's going to be a great pairing with Andrade. <laughs> Raj? Sorry, that, that that crowd is just not for everyone. Not everybody watches that, and they need to do a better job of presenting this character. Permission to speak freely. <laughs> oh, oh. Of course. Of course. I want to hear it all. all right. Roosh. I think mean, he's very talented, obviously. He's, he's great. But I'm you know right. what difference this is going to make on ratings, attendance, popularity? Zero percent. Zero mm-hmm. percent. And granted, that doesn't mean they don't bring him in, or you know, they, he he's a hell of a hand. He's a talent. Uh, it, uh, the the thing that it got me thinking about more was what is this ROH thing? What are they doing with this? Mm-hmm. Like, what the fuck is the point of having ROH? Seriously, like, uh, um. Seriously, what is the point? You're, you're um, not WWE yet. So, yes, if you're making billions of dollars a year and you can open other leagues, but right now you should be promoting AEW. That should be the focus. Not like, okay, now we we have AEW and we want to pitch this ROH yeah, show but... that 600 people used to watch and and uh, we want you to pay for money for that. <laughs> I mean, what's the what is the plan here? I will say, with Forbidden Door coming, I can see why they would pull a move such as, as this because you have to start promoting Forbidden Door. I don't know if Rush qualifies as Forbidden Door or not. Uh, but maybe this fan. is the reason. This maybe this is the reason why, and it has it might not be as related to Ring of Honor as we think. Raj, it might just be going into Forbidden Door and, and the matches that we're gonna start seeing because you do have three weeks to build Forbidden Door, where AEW is used to having months in advance to build this pay per view. So you do mention Forbidden Door, Roosh uh, in AAA, I believe, or CMLL. Him and Andrade, when he was known as La Sombra and wore the mask, are founding members of Los Ingobernables. And obviously, oh, I know who they are. Yeah, Los, Ingobernables, Los Ingobernables de Japón. Is you the, look back at old Charlotte's old uh, honeymoon pics, and is, Roosh is always there. Yeah. <laughs> him, and, him and Andrade are like longtime friends. Obviously, they were in a faction together. And then the Japanese offshoot, uh, LIJ, which was headed up by Tetsuya Naito. It's a big part of New Japan. So I'm sure they're going to have a pretty big role in the Forbidden Door pay-per-view. But I will say, uh, to both of your credits on the the difference that Roosh makes, this was the first AEW pay-per-view where I was bothered by every single new signing debut because I'm like, this feels so gimmicky at this point. Before, it was like, here we go. It's Brian Danielson. Oh, my God, Adam Cole. I can't wait to see how they factor into storylines. And now it's like there's an... Ex- uh, expectancy however you say that word for right. every pay-per-view to have i i saw tweets that were like who are going to be the surprise debuts at the aw pay-per-view this is all on tony khan liam like tony like, khan created that narrative for himself that we, we should be mm-hmm. expecting these things and, and and that's what he educated his fans to believe 
And on top of that, too, like you said there, Isa, when we were talking about the forbidden door, someone was going to cross through the forbidden door, and that was originally Keith Lee, and then he felt pressured into, well, technically, because he's a free agent, he's not crossing the forbidden door. Who can yeah. we get? Oh, that's right. Jay White is in the States. Which is a horrible debut right for Jay White just to force him in there. That was a horrible day. I, I still exactly. get upset at Jay White's actual AEW debut. And we yeah. hear commentary force in the line of Jay White has walked through the forbidden door, just like Tony Khan promised. Like that is something that really does bother me. The, yeah. the presentation of Athena, I thought was really weirdly done. We talked about it. That is terrible. Night. Same thing. Same thing with Stokely Hathaway and same thing here with Roosh. I appreciate that this is at least taking Andrade in a better direction. Right. Forward. And it makes That's- sense because they worked together in the past. Exactly. That's the positive of this. But at the same time, it's just like, how many more debuts can we have? Like the card, the 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 roster is so bloated at this point that these guys, like, even if they end up in a tag title match, it's going to be with what? Three other teams. They're probably not going to walk away on top. And like, yeah. it, it's just, there's too many guys right now. We got to focus on, on who's on the roster. So, so now we're getting oh to the, the meat of the matter, right? Yes. So it's I my should favorite refill, match of the night. We're about to this. talk about my favorite match. We're getting the, the, the jazz. <laughs> yes. That's right. The all white, the the what what are those hats called again? Scally caps. <laughs> I'm out of wine. I'm out of wine. I, See, we, we both need a refill. Mm-hmm. Isa. <laughs> uh yeah, they look like little penis heads. <laughs> the, the things. <laughs> well, back to all in way back uh joey ryan and that whole shindig at no i don't think we can say his name uh never mind uh don't <laughs> get demonetized here please anyways jericho appreciation society end up winning anarchy in the arena this all culminated towards the end when eddie kingston walked out from backstage covered in blood and also <laughs> holding a canister of gasoline and he doused chris jericho in it Threatening to light him on fire. Shout out The Fiend and Randy Orton. That feud, I'm sure that's where he got the inspiration from. And that's where him and Danielson eventually came to blows, which kind of very much tilted the momentum in the JAS's favor. And it ended with Brian Danielson passing out to a dual submission from Jake Hager and Chris Jericho. Issa, you said this was your favorite match of the night. Please tell me some of your favorite spots. I mean, what? <laughs> I, I, I love everything about this. I love the music. I know Rush was over it. I love the music. I love that the way that they did the camera cut, the camera cuts were going to a different action spot. Like it wasn't random camera cuts. Every time you cut, you were going to a different spot in a different side of the arena to a different person. It did slow down at one point towards the middle, but it it, it, it didn't matter even when it felt like it was going down it just felt like control chaos is the best way to describe what i saw here like there was some blood everywhere everybody was doing something ridiculous and tana and ortiz double thing that they did off the ladder onto the table love that spot um i really like the finish i cannot believe that they had um brian like i didn't want brian to be the one losing here but i don't feel like he lost you had him in the walls of Jericho at the same time as Hager is choking him. Like, what else is this guy supposed to do? The fire, I love the fact that the conflict between Eddie Kingston and Brian did interfere in how the match went because I did expect that to happen. They've been teasing that they don't like each other for a long time. Even in the promo before the match, Brian said, I like Jericho more than I like Eddie Kingston. So, you know, I, I overall thought this was very 
well done. I didn't know how they were going to do this because of not being able to pre-tape it. But I overall thought it was very well done. I do wonder what the experience of somebody watching it live has to be like, because there was, you had to be watching it on the screen. There was too much going on. The spots were in complete different spots. So maybe watching it live might have not been as enjoyable as they made it for us at home. I do wonder that. Permission to speak freely? Of course. Oh, <laughs> so I thought this match was, it was really good. I thought it, it turned things around. I did think um, uh, it, it, it was, um, it was clunky at times, but I thought this was the match that changed things around. Isa, to your point, you know, like uh, uh, not knowing, you know, where, where, you know, where shit was happening. Um, if you're watching live, you know, it's like, yeah. am I looking at the stands? Am I looking in the ring? Who cares? But who cares? That That's all minor stuff. I thought this was really fun stuff. That was really good. Brian Danielson getting, taking looking. the pin. He He's one of the biggest stars from WWE. He, was, he main event the last year's WrestleMania. He, he he won one match on pay-per-view since he's been back in AEW. He, he beat Miro. Uh, that's it. It's, he's lost every time since. Um, right? Am, am, I, am I wrong in that? Or? He, had the no con- he, had the, he had the no contest. With, are we talking about Brian, right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he had the no contest with Kenny Omega, then a no contest with Hangman, then Hangman beat him. Then, um, and he but lost he's a, won a bunch of one-on-one matches. Like he just went on Rampage again. No, not on paper. You know. Yeah, I, I mean, like the big matches. Right, he, right, right, right. And now he's in a tag match in the middle of the show, and he's the one taking the loss. I just feel like he's not being utilized to the best of his no. box office. He's, he's one of the best things they have in that roster right now, and yeah. he feels wasted. So does Mark. If, if we if we're speaking freely. I mean, yeah. I love that they yeah. put them together, but and and, and not be... everyone could be at the top at the same time. I mean, CM right. Punk, this was his night, and I totally agree with that. But Danielson shouldn't be wasted as a guy losing in a tag feud, in my opinion. Like the one taking it a was fall a good finish. In a random. Yeah. If tag you're gonna have him lose, it was like, it was it was like you can't get out of this, but. At the same time, you have what four other partners, and nobody could come yeah. in and break. Yeah, Eddie up Kingston could have taken the fall. Anyone, uh, and or or break or break the submissions and keep going until somebody else takes the loss. Right. You know. Yeah. Yeah. So then that's that's my two cents. I will say I to to give some optimism, if I'm allowed. Uh, <laughs> AEW permission to f- speak freely. Permission to speak freely. Exactly. <laughs> Correct me if I'm wrong, but AEW doesn't often do the pass out submission, right? Like that's something WWE abuses. Like so many guys who are not at that level pass out from submissions. The one I always remember, Money in the Bank 2014, Big East uh, passed out to Rusev's uh, accolade. And Big E was just not at that level. Nowadays, I can see why. But in 2014... It, he was not on that level. It was a nothing match for the U.S. championship with, like, a week of build. And I was like, that just makes that finish weaker by comparison. Yeah. AEW, I feel like we never really see 
count out victories. We never really see uh, a ton of DQs and we never really see a lot of pass out finishes. It made it feel a little bit more to me, which I appreciated. Um, but at the same time, I do agree. Brian Danielson, even just being in this match, let alone, you know, being the one who lost the match felt very off to me because like you said, Raj, yeah. that's the guy who main evented WrestleMania last year. That's the guy who came into AEW guns blazing, going straight for Kenny Omega and goes to a 30, 30 minute time limit draw, which was like the second one they had ever done in company history. And then from there rides that momentum to a title match with hangman, Adam page. And I like, you know, the whole pairing with Moxley. I like the Blackpool Combat Club, but it does feel lesser than. I don't like the idea of Brian Danielson feeling like just another guy on the roster. Like, he's special. He's a big deal. There's a reason why he closed All Out. All Out, which was the pay-per-view that had CM Punk's return to wrestling on it. And the last thing fans saw was Brian Danielson's AEW debut. And And Adam Cole, and look where they're at now, so... Mm-hmm. Well, hey, Adam Cole at least got a victory. So there's that. Yeah, I guess. Uh, wait, permission to speak very biased right now. <laughs> sure. Okay, I, just, I, I have to send all of my heart towards Tease coming out with a Puerto Rican flag face painted on his face. I was, I screamed. Sorry. Always, I always love seeing that Puerto Ortiz. Rican flag. Who Ortiz. Santana had, oh. Santana had a bandana with the Puerto Rican flag, but Ortiz had his whole face painted in the flag, and it was just a beautiful sight to see. Nice, nice. Very cool. Well, that's you know, the- representation is important. I never see the Indian flag. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Right? So when you do see... No, no, but Raj, you get it. How important representation is. And I know that a lot of people are going to be like, okay, cool face paint. No, no, no. To some people, that meant everything. No, that yeah, might have made yeah, my entire yeah. night, you know? Right, right. No, no, for sure. I, I, I was kidding when I said that. But yeah, yeah, for no, sure. No, because there needs to be more representation of everything, not just, you know, certain things. You went and what's funny. Uh, we can take a little detour here. <laughs> but back in the day, I remember when I was a kid, my parents loved Gandhi, the movie Gandhi. I, I cannot stand that movie. I was like, the E.T. over, you know, for best picture. I was like, you know, that movie sucked. Uh, but then I was like, oh, my God, we finally got an Indian actor with short circuit. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, yeah. we got one, this scientist guy. Uh, you know, we finally got an Indian guy that's like in short circuit too. He was like the main guy. And it turned out he was a white dude. (laughs) (laughs) He was a white dude playing an Indian guy in brown face. Uh, Fisher Stevens. And he's in succession. I I think he's a great actor. I can't, I'm not faulting him at all. But uh, yeah, I I forget what the. That that kind of hurts the heart, huh? It was, it was, it was like, uh, it was one of those, uh, whatever. (laughs) No, it's what you said. Representation absolutely does matter. And I do love when, when, uh, wrestlers rock, uh, their, their colors, their, their flags and all that. Ty Conti coming out for her title match with Britt Baker, I believe at either full gear or all out, uh, the the Brazilian face paint and everything. Mm -hmm. I thought that was really cool. And it I know I was thinking about that during the Thunder Rosa match because it was a fan in the in the front row holding that Mexican flag. And I was mm-hmm. like, you know, I know that she has to look over and it has to mean so much to her. Like it's it's everything. It's special for sure. Uh whenever Conor McGregor dons the the I- Ireland flag on a UFC pay-per-view, at least back in the day, that got a pop out of my family who all come from Ireland on my dad's side. But That's moving awesome. on. 
Moving on with this pay-per-view, we have two more matches left, and they're both title matches. And one we'll start with the tag title match. Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus retaining their titles over Team Taz, represented by Powerhouse Hobbs and Ricky Starks, and Swerve in our glory, Keith Lee and Swerve Strickland. Raj, I'll go to you first with this one. How do we feel about Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus holding on to their AEW tag titles? Permission to speak freely. Oh. Please do. <laughs> I think I will. Uh, Luchasaurus is one of the dumbest gimmicks. Like it's it, it it's we're we're beyond it now. Like when he's doing the dinosaur shit, when he's talking it, it's like, oh my god, come on, let's. I think we're beyond this now. It was fine when AEW was a lot of indies coming in, and we're we're letting the indies, you know, develop a a voice. But now it's just like it's sad, right? I mean, in terms of the tag team dynamic, Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus feel like a tag team. That's that's what I said uh, when I was predicting some of these matches. Because they've been together for so long and their journey towards the tag titles was pretty storied, I really wanted them to retain here because Team Taz, even though Powerhouse Hobbs and, and Ricky Starks are together in a faction, they feel kind of thrown together. And then on the other hand, too, Keith Lee and Swerve Strickland feel very thrown together to me. They feel like all solo individual wrestlers being put into a tag team to give them, to give them a, a spot on the card. That's why I was happy to see Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus retain. Their reign is getting stale to me, but I don't think it's they should play stale. hot potato with these titles. Issa, are you, I, you I for was, the uh, dinosaur thing? No, not at all. No, no, I, I, I haven't done anything for me in, in a long time now. I, I was there for the build up to them becoming tag team champions, but it just feels like there's so many other competitive, like FTR was not in this freaking pay-per-view. Okay, like there is so much better tag teams, even in this match. Now, Keith Lee and Swerve, I like them, don't get me wrong, but they do feel thrown together very last second. Now, Team Taz, I was, that's what I was rooting for tonight. So maybe I'm a little salty here because I really thought that this was going to be the title that changed hands tonight. Um, I, I just need, I don't feel that Jurassic Express have evolved any since like AEW Day 1 as characters. As, and outside of adding uh, Christian replacing Marco Stunt, there's nothing there to them new. There's nothing that I would tell you, oh, yeah, but they're doing this now. They weren't doing this back then. No, there isn't. And it's getting old. Like you said, Liam, it's getting stale, and I'm ready to move on from this. I was really hoping for a big team task win here, but I didn't get that. You you have all these managers that aren't doing anything, but I think you have Jungle Jack Perry turns heel. He's just cocky, arrogant heel. He would play that. I think could see him playing that to the nines. And having uh, Taz or, uh, you know, someone as a manager, um, I think he could be Kurt Angle. I could see Jungle Boy being a huge star. Uh, with some guy acting like a dinosaur, it's like, it's not even cute anymore. It's like, uh, we're, we're playing along with this. Yeah. Uh, I, I do think Jungle Boy has a very high ceiling as a uh, singles wrestler, but one yeah, thing, he needs to go by Jack Perry. I, I don't think AEW champion Jungle Boy just seems a little goofy to me. He can be the Jungle Boy. Jack Perry Jack, Jack Perry. Perry is a a name. Like, that yeah. feels like a, a superstar name. 
Yeah. yeah. So I'm behind Jungle Boy as a singles wrestler. So I think, you know, whenever this tag title run does come to an end, maybe we get to see him chase the TNT title. Did you ever watch Luke Perry? Yes, in yeah. uh, Shameless, right? Uh, okay, maybe we're a little bit older than you. <laughs> 90210? Yes, 90210. <laughs> I know he was in Shameless. That's like his most recent project before he passed. No. I think okay, Liam, we get it. You're young. Let's move on. You're a baby. But, but what was that? No, no, it was uh, the Archie show. What was the Archie show? Luke Perry was the dad on that. Uh, oh, wait. I know what you're talking about. Too. Someone in the chat. Someone in the chat will remind us for sure. Um, but we do have a main event to get to. If you guys are it's ready. Time to pour a shot. I'm pouring a shot. But we digress. <laughs> yeah. CM Punk versus Hangman Adam. In the Davis. chat. What was that show? Yeah, yeah. Someone hit us up before uh, we eventually get to the main event match. But I'll run down what happened itself as Issa gets out the Malibu. Riverdale. Riverdale. Thank there you, we go. Matthew. That's what it was. Maybe it wasn't Shameless. Maybe I – why do I feel like he was in Shameless? I, I don't know. Maybe I'm crazy. Yep. Okay. It's 2.30 it's, it's it's a.m. for us, Liam. That's, so it's that's okay. probably what it is, if we're being completely honest. Uh, let's get to the main event, though. CM Punk versus Hangman Adam Page. And a pretty back-and-forth match that did have some stumbles along the way. Punk did get booed when he kind of botched the buckshot lariat. He landed on his feet, but not as smoothly as Hangman would have done it. And then because he still got to his feet and hit the clothesline, the crowd did boo a bit, but eventually uh, the ref went down. I was wondering if this was going to be a Punk heel turn, but we got the classic Hangman teasing using the title decides not to and ultimately deciding to stay a pure baby face cost him the match he had an opportunity opportunity he didn't take it the referee got back up punk hit the gts one two three and we have a new aew world champion i believe our fifth world champion in aew yeah. history which is pretty incredible considering you know we're coming up on three years, three years. of the title's existence and we've only had five different champions and it's cm punk you know one of probably their most mainstream names to hold the title outside of Chris Jericho. I mean, John Moxley is, is up there, but people didn't know the name John Moxley right. as well as they knew Dean Ambrose. CM Punk, main event attraction, and here we are, him holding the big AEW gold. Raj, how do you feel about CM Punk being AEW champion? You sent out a tweet, mentally bookmarked it. How crazy is this an idea to conceive one year ago today? Right. Yeah, permission to speak freely. Of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I, I thought I, I tweeted this as well. When Punk was in the ring, he had that look like, "I'm sorry that, like, I I can't believe I'm giving this to you." Not I can't believe it, but you could tell he was uh-huh. overwhelmed by passing of the guard. Like he knew, he knew he was passing the guard. Oh, actually, not really passing the guard, but taking the, whatever you call it. But you right. could tell he knew he was winning tonight, and he felt overwhelmed with Hangman and uh, whatever. But I, I tweeted, I was like, "Oh, Punk's winning tonight." You know, you could tell he feels bad for beating Hangman Page. Uh, I, I again. Permission to speak freely. AEW has not created a superstar um, 
that's on the level of someone that's from WWE or or Kenny Omega, who's from New Japan. They have Hangman Page is not even close uh, to CM Punk or anyone else. Uh, Hangman Page has never felt like a difference maker during his time as champion. I, I I think he's done everything he could, but he he always felt like, and this was something I I said a, a few weeks ago on the Monday Night podcast. He always felt like. He was the Batman where the villain was always more interesting mm-hmm. and he was kind of the foil to the villain. And he just was never the star. I don't see him being the personality that's going to be the guy that's the star. We'll see. I think that's fair. At, at times during Hangman's reign, it felt inauthentic, uh, which which is weird. Like when, Especially when he came out of the tunnel, mean mugging and everything on his way to the ring. It just didn't feel real to me i don't know why i think aew might have anxious Mm -hmm. it's not your anxious millennial cowboy at all exactly (laughs) like the the chase was so much better than the destination for for hangman his story against kenny omega is still one of my favorites told he couldn't he can't carry a feud he Uh has to be the foil of the feud right i think so i and especially with this with this punk feud even though it was very like you know recently built it did have my attention way more than like his program with Lance Archer uh, per se that was done, you know, on TV or, or Adam Cole because Punk was a guy who I felt like could carry the promos in the ring and he could have some rebuttals, but he never felt like he was in the driver's seat of this feud. And I think this is an appropriate time to have a title change. Issa, how do you feel about CM Punk being AEW world champion? I, I I have some moments when CM Punk comes out and I feel like I'm in some weird multiverse. Like, it still doesn't feel real to me that CM Punk is back wrestling. I was a big fan of Hangman and the chase. I was there in full gear. It's one of those moments that you, like, you see it live and you're like, I'm never going to forget this. Like, it feels so good to see him finally become the champion. While I'm not fully underwhelmed with his reign, I feel like the character that we fell in love with didn't come out until last Wednesday. And maybe that was a little too late of an effort to bring that character that we fell in love with back. I'm not opposed to CM Punk winning here. It's just something that, like what Rash Twitter, if you would have told me this a year, two years ago, I would have laughed in your face. Not only that he will be wrestling, but that he will be a world champion again. Like, I'm sorry, maybe I'm just, maybe it's because it's almost 3 a.m., but I'm still like, oh, to me, every time that this happens. It's the same when Cody wrestles in WWE. I could see it every week and I'm still like, what am I watching here? You know, I thought it was a beautiful moment. I love the storytelling in the match with the hangman hesitating to do what he needed to do is what cost him the match. That to me was perfection. And also shout out to AEW because you could have handed CM Punk the title back in August when he came back. And I don't think that anybody would have done anything about it. So the fact that they waited and built him up to a point where he feels like a deserving you know, champion. And on top of that, I love CM Punk's demeanor through this whole field where he was just like, bro, this is business to me. I'm getting a title shot and I'm going to win it. And that's all there is to it. I thought this was a beautifully told story. We'll see where it goes. I'm very, I'm, I'm very curious about what they do with him after what we saw from his character tonight. Yeah. And I will say to that point too, about the natural progression of CM Punk as a contender That's one of the beauties, I feel like, of the ranking system. It hasn't been perfect. There have been guys who clearly are 
undefeated yeah. and they deserve title shots. And then guys like Lance Archer just return out of nowhere and they're getting a title shot. Or it's, Dante. I think Dante got a match in there where he wasn't in the top five. I'm like, okay. Very, very <laughs> random. And he, it feels like he's always been teetering around uh, the, yeah. the mid-card title feud for, for so long. But Punk, it just kind of got to a point where he even said, like, I've been racking up wins. I've been climbing the leaderboard. And now I get a title shot. That's just kind of how it works. And that's why I love the same thing happened with Brian Danielson. He had to win the Eliminator tournament to get the title shot. When he faced Kenny Omega, it was non-title. I appreciate stuff like that so much because even though, Issa, like you said, people probably wouldn't have been too upset if Punk came in and won the title straight away, you would get the crowd saying, well, now, oh, AEW's pivoting long-term storyline plans with Hangman to get the belt on a WWE guy. The fact that he now feels more like, not fully like an AEW guy. But at this point, he's got an AEW vibe to this current iteration of CM Punk. And now he's yeah. AEW champion. I appreciate that too. And the full circleness. When I first started watching pro wrestling, it was October 2011. And it was leading up to Punk beating Alberto Del Rio yeah. for the WWE title at Survivor Series 2011. And that was such an awesome moment. And like to see him back with a world title now crazy like full circleness for me and seeing like the emotion in his face too when he's like oh it was so amazing Mm -hmm. loved that love when you can tell that the moment means more uh not just within storylines but for the he has to i mean this guy had technically kind of sort of gave up on this the one thing that we know he's really really good at and he should not not be doing Mm -hmm. i mean if 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 you want to get deep into it it's a beautiful moment I agree. I, I I do believe it was a beautiful moment. Raj, I feel like we got one last permission to speak freely on your mind. Uh-oh. I think uh, I think the match wasn't that great. I thought it was... Oh, I, I agree. Okay. Not the best thing in the night. I agree. Yeah. Uh, and I think, I, I don't know, just something was missing with the whole build-up. With, with yeah, Punk agreed. They announced it very lackluster. It never I, felt like uh, a dream match or even close. Like uh, I don't think you're wrong. I, I thought they, they fully reeled me in and got me on board Wednesday with that face-off between the two of them because I thought Hangman did an excellent job in his promo and then I also love the Hangman saying, Why do are in you that promo, this? though? I, I, I got to ask you, Issa. Like, when, when I heard it, I was like, what? He he's a felt, uh, the boys like, aren't it, with you. It's like okay, what? But what? If he mentioned right, Cole Cabana it, or something, then I was like, oh shit, well, yes. I I felt like because he said I'm gonna do whatever it takes, I'm gonna defend the AEW title from you. It felt like he remembered how hard he had to fight to get this title. That it was gonna take a lot from CM Punk to get that off of him. Because technically mm. speaking, Hangman Page busted his ass for years to get to this point. I would assume that he would be willing, which is why I hated that he hesitated. And in a way, I'm glad that that's what cost him the match. Sure, you right. waited years for this. You should have never hesitated. So on Wednesday, I saw the guy remembering what he had to go through to become champion. But when he's saying, like, I'm defending this from you, shouldn't there be a reasoning what that means? Like, what well, does that mean? I-, I think it's just more about, like, when Punk was champion in mm-hmm. WWE. And Liam we're yep. kind of now you're saying we're kind of coming up with our, right. our storyline oh, you're, right, you're right like i i am filling in the gaps right. and that, that is a bit of an excuse and to the non diehard fans who don't really know what that means 
and you can't show footage from WWE in your promo. I, I didn't even go there, Liam. So I went back to Eddie Kingston's promo because Eddie Kingston made a lot of references about nobody in the like in the back liking CM Punk. So mm. when Hangman Page said that, I took it back as a continuation of, oh, maybe Eddie Kingston was not capping us in the fact that nobody in the back likes it. That's where I took it. And two, I mentioned that you can't show WWE footage in the promo package. What you can show is Ring of Honor footage. And remember the whole, I mean, uh, when he took like the ROH title hostage, when he said he was going yeah. to leave for WWE, there's something you could directly pull from and say, you know, if you're going to call your WWE, WWE career like not canon in your career, because he did mention in his return promo, uh, August 13th, 2005, I left pro wrestling. August 20th, 2021, I'm back. If you're going to look at it like that, you can go back to his previous world title reign, which in that chronology is Ring of Honor. And he had the biggest power in the company and yeah. he took the company in his own like diabolical direction. So you could have you could have steered the feud in that direction if you wanted to. I feel like if they had more weeks to build, that's an idea that probably would have clicked backstage. But this was yeah. something that Hangman just kind of came up with towards the end. And... You know, I, I think it added a nice layer. But like you said, Raj, it was up to us to fill in the gaps of what that yeah. meant. I got a question for you. Of course. Miseria Cantare. Would you know that as soon as it hit? No. Miseria no. Cantare. That's CM Punk's original ROH thing. Oh. oh, wait, no, the, the, the theme. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, I was trying to think of a wrestler. I do know yeah, yeah. Uh, it's by AFI. I don't know it. Even when he came out to that song, it took me a second to click it together, honestly. I did it. I got so much shit for not knowing that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I see what you're saying. Involving Ring of Honor storylines is going to lose a lot of people that don't know what the hell is going on. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. All right. I, I, I think that's I think that's a fair point. And uh it, it is my friends. <laughs> <laughs> I, I did want to get to one super chat before we officially wrap this up because people said it was a good question. Uh Marie Johnson, thank you again for supporting the stream all night long. Uh she says, I am a fan of Orange Cassidy. Where has he been? If I'm not mistaken, he's injured. Last he's I saw him on Dynamite, he had a sling. So yeah, I think that's uh that's pretty simple. But hey. Uh, we're coming up on two hours here after a five-hour show. So I think it is Let's time wrap it up. To, to wrap <laughs> it up. Before we officially wrap, uh, Raj, I do want to get your overall thoughts on Double or Nothing. Would you call this pay-per-view a letdown, or did you feel like you got your money's worth? Oh, that was fun. I thought it was the worst. Not the worst. Worst sounds bad. Worst. But I didn't think it was as good as their other pay-per-views. But I thought it was a fun show overall. But the weakest of their, their pay-per-views. That's fair. Isa, overall thoughts? Um, yeah, I, there was a lot of this that was filler and I could have done without. Did I have fun? Yes. Was there matches that I enjoyed? Yeah. If I take it back last year's double or nothing, I could watch it from start to finish again. Not this one. So Isa, nine, one to ten. What do you got? Seven. I think Damn. I'll go... I think I'll go seven as well, but more of a, more of a three point five out of five. That feels. No, more... this is from someone that left all out at a fifteen out of ten. Mm -hmm. So it's it's come down a little bit in my book when it comes to AEW. I'm gonna give I'm gonna give seven and a half. 
Okay. Oh, you're no, being no, generous. Uh, I'll go 7.25. Okay. <laughs> Seven and a quarter. There we go. I love I love the decimal scores. Well, hey, that's been the Wrestling Inc. podcast post AEW Dynamite edition or AEW Double or Nothing. Forgive me. I'm tired. It's three in the morning. It's We're late. on that. Thank you all for joining us. To find Raj Giri on socials, it's right there below. Raj Giri, or not Raj Giri underscore 303. It's at the Raj oh, Giri. Yeah. He's got the new handle now, the official. The mm-hmm. Raj Giri. Uh, Ignore find, the Raj <laughs> find him on all socials for all wrestling hot takes, as well as Issa on socials at NYC Demon Diva. I believe that's D number uh, one. one yeah, on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Perfect. And also on uh, Twitch. Uh, no, you guys can find me on YouTube and YC Demon Diva the normal way. Go subscribe. We're almost at 20,000. Please subscribe. Awesome. Nice. Let's, get, let's get Issa to 20K. And you can find me on social media at Liam T. Crowley. Thank you again so much for staying up to the witching hours with us on this post Double or Nothing podcast. We'll see you next time. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.